to war, and a few days later, I received a call from a, a German TV channel. They said they wanted to do an interview with an anti-war comedian, and we did this interview, and I was about to leave, and they said, we also want to film you walking around Moscow. <laughs> I'm like, why? Like, we just need some footage of you walking around, look at your favorite sites in Moscow, as if you were saying goodbye. <laughs> When I'm not saying goodbye, <laughs> like, yes, you are. <laughs> we are from Germany, we went through the shit once, uh, we have to leave. That was a clip from a performance by Denis Dujoy, also known as Dan the Stranger, a Russian comedian who left the country after the invasion of Ukraine. For this episode of Russia on the Record, we talked to Denis and his fellow comedian Ilya Ovechkin about the world of Russian stand-up comedy in exile. But first, here are the main headlines from Russia this week. Former Fox News star Tucker Carlson announced he had secured an interview with President Vladimir Putin during his visit to Moscow this week. Carlson, a leading far-right voice in the US, has spoken favorably of Putin and is a vocal critic of Washington's support for Kiev. He has said that his interview is important because no other Western journalists had even tried to interview the Russian president, but journalists from CNN and the BBC, as well as the Kremlin itself, all said that was not true. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said Carlson was granted the interview because his position differed from the rest of the so-called Anglo-Saxon media. Sources close to the Kremlin told the Moscow Times that Carlson's visit was a propaganda victory for Moscow in an election year in both Russia and the United States. One source said the visit was an opportunity to exert influence on the US election, given Carlson's huge audience. Russian election authorities have rejected pro-peace presidential hopeful Boris Nadezhdin's bid to stand in the election this March. The Central Election Commission claimed to have found errors in over 9,000 of the endorsement signatures submitted for the approval of Nadezhdin's candidacy. Thousands of Russians across the country and abroad lined up to leave their signatures last month. Nadezhdin said he plans to appeal the CEC's decision with the Supreme Court and again asked the Electoral Authority to postpone the signature review to give his team more time to sort through the errors, a request that was rejected. Tens of millions want to vote for me, and you're telling me about 11 dead souls, he said at Thursday's session, referring to some signatures which the commission claimed were submitted by dead people. A young Chechen woman who fled a forced marriage may have been killed by her relatives after being forcibly returned home, human rights activists have said. Seda Sulimanova left Chechnya with the help of the NGO SKSOS after her family warned she would be the victim of a so-called honour killing for refusing to be married off to a man. She was detained in St. Petersburg by police with Chechen nationals as part of an investigation into an alleged jewellery theft in the Republic. After being returned to her family, she has been unreachable for over 150 days. Human Rights Watch defines an honour killing as a killing committed by male family members against relatives they believe have brought dishonour on the family. They are almost never investigated in the Chechen Republic. 
An adaptation of Mikhail Bulgakov's The Must and Margarita has topped Russia's box office, despite calls from pro-war bloggers for the movie's director to be prosecuted for speaking out against the war in Ukraine. The movie is one of the most expensive ever made in Russia, and two-thirds of its budget was financed by the Russian government. Production started in 2021, before the invasion of Ukraine. 28 people, including a child, were killed by a Ukrainian strike on a bakery in the occupied eastern Ukrainian city of Lysychansk, according to local authorities. Lysychansk had a population of 110,000 people before the full-scale invasion of Ukraine in 2022. It was captured by Russia in the summer of that year after a week-long battle, after which Moscow claimed to have gained control of the entire Luhansk region. Since the start of the war in Ukraine, Russian comedians have faced growing pressure from the government. Those who disagree with the war and the Kremlin's policies have had to flee in order to continue speaking openly about their anti-war beliefs. Some of them are starting to form new stand-up communities in countries that have become hubs for Russian exiles. This week, we spoke with two of these comedians who continued their careers in different countries after leaving Russia. Meet Denis Chujoy and Ilya Avechkin. Here is Denise's story. They didn't want to finance the war, like the regime that decided to try and kill my friends, my relatives, and like just people of Ukraine. So I decided not to be a part of it. And uh, additionally, when I spoke against the war, I received several death threats over the phone. Uh, they would uh, threaten to blow up the comedy club where I used to work stuff like that. And I decided that like my wife and I, we've uh, thought about uh, living in another country for like for some time. And we decided that it was the time to finally do it. Otherwise, it would be too late to find a new place uh, that would accept people from Russia. So we decided to start a new life. It took us a month to finish our business in Russia and uh, sell the apartment and stuff like that. And uh, in the beginning of April of 2022, we were outside Russia already. And here is the story of Ilya Ovechkin. I decided to leave Russia, I think, after a few days when war gets started. I really want to say out loud that I'm against it, because in the first day, 24th February, I posted video that I'm against the war and all the stuff, blah, blah, blah. And my audience and all my friends and all this stuff, everybody supported me. But after that, we have managed a stand-up show, charity concert for Ukrainians. And right after Afisha gets posted, some strange people started to calling us. Some people called my friends and they told something like, we will broke your legs if you will perform on this show and all that stuff. And we decided to cancel show because it was too dangerous. And I just decided that it was obvious that I will not have opportunity to say out loud that I'm against the war. That's why I decided just to leave. Leave the nation. <laughs> I decided to do that. Ilya and his friends, who are also stand-up comedians, moved to Georgia, where he is now developing a local stand-up community. Denise and his wife fled first to Turkey 
and later decided to move to Germany. In the first few days, I just don't knew what to do. I'm just uh, hanging on the city and I thought like, wow, what's happening? I do not understand. I wasn't ready at all for something like this. And some of my friends, they decided in the, in the first day, in the first few days that they will uh, move to Georgia because it was uh, something like a stereotype that Georgia now is a European country. I mean, we know that they are trying to join to Euro Union. And uh, we thought that it's uh, quite a bit European country. Spoiler, not at all. I mean, not so much as we thought. For example, their government, Georgian government here, is uh, there for for Russia, pro-Russian government. And the citizens, 50-50. One health for Russia and uh, one health for Europe. I mean, not health. Maybe 60 or 17 percent, uh, they would like to join to Euro Union and uh, something about 30 percent there for, for Russia. I think so. But uh, at that moment, in the beginning of the war, we thought that it's a better place in ex-USSR. <laughs> it's the better place to, to stay. That's why I'm here now. But uh, everyone who decided in the beginning of the war that we should choose Georgia, they are not here now. <laughs> they are in other countries in Europe. Somebody get back to Russia. I thought that I will be courier in Georgia or something like that. That's why I moved here. But uh, now it's uh, pretty well because I'm stand-up comedian still and I got some really cool skills. We have our YouTube channel and it's not on the YouTube channel. It's a big structure, immigration. It's like comedians and uh, immigration. <laughs> Comedy and immigration. The title have created Ariana Lalaga. It's her idea. I think it sounds pretty well and it really has sense. And that's our project. We have started it since the war, since we came to Georgia. We have started that project. Now we have YouTube channels. We have uh, good views and uh, we have a big audience. They are supporting us on Patreon and Boosty. And we just now creating new type of shows. We're creating content. It's our project now. It's what we're doing. And also there is in Georgia is Bukhari stand-up club. It's a stand-up club. Owner of it is our friend. He's a magician. <laughs> Pavel Bach, it's his name. He has opened that club for us to let us perform, making our videos and all that stuff. And we are just working together. We have not so much audience, but there is a lot of people who came to our shows. For example, we have show tomorrow and uh, we have no tickets at all. At first, uh, we moved to Turkey because at the moment it felt like uh, it was easier to get legal there and it was cheap enough to not be worried too much about money. And uh, the main thing is that Istanbul had pretty decent uh, comedy scene in English. Because at the beginning of the war, it felt like uh, the Russian culture was done and uh, it felt like no one would uh, like to hear jokes in Russian. So I decided to start a new life in a professional uh, way 
and uh, to start doing comedy in English. So I just looked for a country that is uh, cheap enough to live in and uh, that has a, a decent uh, comedy scene in English. So, uh, and it's like at the cross of these conditions, it, it was the only Istanbul. So we moved there. After Brexit, uh, Berlin has become uh, like the capital of the English-speaking stand-up comedy in Europe. So uh, for like, if you're a comedian, you need to perform as much as you can. And in Turkey, especially after this economic crisis, when all the expats starting to leave Istanbul, uh, you could perform like twice a week or three times a week. And that was the best week you can get. And in Berlin, you can perform if you are young and energetic enough, you can perform 14 times a week. So uh, it's way better. And uh, at first we didn't think that it was possible for a person from Russia to settle in a European country. So we didn't even think about moving to Europe. And uh, when we did uh, the show for the Russian expats here, they were always like, why do you live in Istanbul? You we have like this perfect artist freelance visa that it's so easy to obtain. And we, we Googled it and it turned out that it's not about your passport or your ideology. You just prove that you are an artist and you are able to pay rent and pay for your food and pay for your, your like uh, insurance. And that's uh, more than enough to stay in Berlin. And I've applied for this visa. They let me stay. And from that moment, I just uh, live here as a comedian. I perform uh, a lot and that's all I want from life <laughs> at the moment. My main focus is uh, English, but I'm glad to have the opportunity to perform in Russian where people don't want to <laughs> hear comedy in English. So I can do both. And I, I feel like it's uh, economically, I have this uh, advantage of uh, covering the whole world. I can do it in English and I can do it in Russian. I cover most of the surface of the planet <laughs> with those two skills. Since emigrating, the comedians have tried to cover a variety of topics in their routines, so they don't only talk about the war. At the same time, however, their pacifist stance forms a key part of their brand. I'm pretty sure that everybody was really appreciated that I'm saying out loud that I'm against the war. Everybody was uh, cheers and all that stuff. Everybody was happy that I'm. I mean, only one or two person in direct messages told me something like, ah, oh, you don't understand the politics. But it was my relatives. <laughs> it's not my audience. That's why it was uh, not so bad. And now our audience, one of the biggest reasons why we have uh, so strong community, is because we say out loud that we're against war. The, for people, it's really important to know that they are not alone in this situation and their views are not strange or something like that. Because in Russia, government trying to imitate that everybody is for the war, they support this and all the stuff, but that's not true. I think uh, most people in Russia, they are against war at all. They don't need this. But government just tricked them that it's not true, that it's a minority. But it's false. Basically nothing changed because it turned out my stuff was uh, universal for the Russians inside Russia and for Russia, for the Russian speaking people outside countries. So I just had to add some stuff about my anti-war position just because like it was an important topic for me and for uh, people who left Russia as well. So 
we needed to talk about it. Even in Istanbul, even in Prague and even in uh, Tel Aviv, we still needed to talk about it. So we just talked about uh, being anti-war and uh, adapting to a new life outside Russia. And the rest was about mental health and the relationship with my family. And that is universal as well. It's universal even in other languages. So I didn't change much in my material. A couple of uh, cities where I did anti-war and anti-Putin jokes. And I saw Russian guys in their 40s getting upset <laughs> because they were obviously pro-Putin and uh, they were like upset. Uh, some of them uh, left quietly during the show. And like it was the only two incidents that I had that I had two pro-Putin guys in the audiences and the rest of them were totally in tune with uh, with me, with my stuff. So I've never had any problems. And um, as for my performances in English, like in Berlin, where I, uh, I live currently, I feel like I have to start with uh, something anti-war because I try really hard to speak English like a native, <laughs> but you can still hear my Russian accent and uh, you cannot hide it and I don't want to hide it. So I just feel that I need to start with like some anti-war jokes to tell the audience that obviously I'm Russian, but I'm okay. You shouldn't be afraid and should be tense. So and like you do this short joke uh, about being anti-war. And after that, you are allowed to do any material you want because uh, basically you've proven that you are a normal person. And from this moment, uh, nobody has any questions for you. So you can do whatever you want. I tried to move on in my comedy from like being uh, all about being anti-war. I tried to go back to my regular programming, but right now I'm writing a new hour about my low self-esteem. And the first act of the show is all about how I felt, you know, underappreciated living in Russia. But when I spoke against the war, Kind of like the police uh, noticed me, the Russian pro-war media noticed me, and I felt noticed and uh, appreciated finally. So the whole first act of the show is all about me being anti-war and finally being appreciated by both sides of the society, but <laughs> yeah, both by anti-war people and both by pro-war people. And uh, you cannot escape it. You try to speak about your own uh, mental health uh, issues, but it's still connected to being anti-war, so I cannot not talk about it. We also asked our guests if they had any plans to develop their international careers and whether they wish to return to Russia someday. I would like to live in Russia and I would like to make my career in the United States, for example. And um, it sounds maybe not so well now because of context, but I'm a really big patriot of Russia, like most people here. People in immigration now, it's the biggest patriots of our country. You can believe it. Because <laughs> uh, I think maybe 70% of our chatting or conversations is about how we will change our country to the best. That's why I really want to, I really want to get back to my motherland. But uh, I don't know when it will happen, but I would like to. I would like to help people to recover from this terrifying things with comedy and maybe some charity foundations. I would like to do something like that. 
I try to live as if uh, there's no chance to go back to Russia because I don't want to feel hurt and upset all the time. So I try to reinvent my life outside Russia in Germany or in another country. But if uh, there is a possibility to go back and uh, do shows in Russia and to see my friends, my relatives and my audiences in Russia, I would be happy to do it. But now I feel like I don't think about it much because it, there's less pain if you don't think about it much and uh, you reinvent yourself in another country. And now I've almost built my new personality here. This whole two, these two years showed that we have more power than we think. We're used to think of, our, of ourselves as uh, like helpless and uh, powerless people. But it, it feels like we are bigger and stronger than we think, and we should remind ourselves about it all the time. And uh, maybe this is how we'll achieve more bigger results than uh, we thought. I feel more power than I used to feel before moving here because like we went through a lot of tough things uh, for the last two years and we're still alive and we're still fine. And I feel like we all uh, should uh, think about uh, how much we can do. Sometimes we underappreciate ourselves. Russians in general, we are all uh, stronger. Thank you for listening to Russia on the Record. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. <laughs>